Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, church. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thank you, Ron, for all you do um, for Oaks, for the kingdom. Uh, some of you may not know Ron, but Ron is a legend, uh, pioneer. He's senior pastor for decades. Uh, so we're privileged to have him here on the team at Oaks Church. But today we're going to conclude our series, Love That Lasts. How many of you guys have enjoyed it today or this last month? It's been a great, great series. Hope it's inspired you. Hope it's challenged uh, you and made your life better. Uh, but today, I want to present a topic um, specifically not just for married people, but for single people. And I want to thank the thing, single people for bearing with us the whole last month. But I'm going to teach on a subject called, What Should I Look For in a Spouse? What should I look for in a spouse? And if you're married in here, it still applies to you. And you can use uh, these questions. You can use uh, this standard as a standard to measure yourself against and see if you, how you're, how you're holding up um, against the high standard, against the standard of God's word. And I believe it's going to be helpful. If you're a parent, you can use this for your kids uh, for free. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. But, and if you're watching this later online and someone sent it to you, I love you. I hope this inspires you. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 sure you guys are surprised we haven't hit this yet, but the Apostle Paul teaches on love, and he gives us a checklist from God on what love looks like. Love in your marriage, love as a person, love is love in your relationships, and he says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. When I read this passage in the Bible and when I read some other passages in the Bible, I'll put myself in those verses. And when it says love is patient and kind, I will do a self-evaluation tool and I will say, have I been patient? Was I patient on the way here this morning? Was I patient on my spouse as they got ready, but I was already ready, and that, right? Have I been kind lately? Have I been irritable? Even before I drink my coffee to a certain extent, right? Do I keep records of wrongs? And I have a long way to go. I got areas that I can grow in, but it's this perfect standard of God's love that we can grow in that Paul gives us as a person. In the same way that God gives us a checklist for love, I believe that there's a checklist that we should have when looking for the right person to marry. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. God, I pray that as I speak today, that you speak, that you speak to the inside of people. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a willing heart to understand in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, anybody in here, you remember the day that you asked your spouse out? 
that you got asked out. Wow, some of y'all are like, it's been so long. I don't remember the day. I don't remember how we got here. But apparently I said yes or they said yes. Uh, maybe you're single in here, you're dating, uh, and you remember the time that somebody asked you out um, or maybe that you asked somebody out. But I remember uh, it was July 2010, and I was doing what I love to do in the summer is I love to pool. I am addicted to water. If I could live on the beach, I would live on the beach. It's been very tempting to me at times. But my purpose isn't on the beach. My purpose is in McKinney, Texas. So I leave the beach. I come back to the flatland of Texas. But Texas, the great nation, greatest nation in all the world. But anyway, I remember I was swimming. I was swimming with our pastor, Pastor Joel, uh, in his backyard, and they created a tropical paradise. They had a pool and uh, banana trees and uh, a palm trees, perfectly situated uh, by the hot tub. And we were having a conversation and hanging out uh, on an off day, and I started to tell him I wanted to run some stuff by him. And I had this love interest, this girl that I wanted to uh, see what his thoughts were because he knew her a whole lot more than I did. This girl had grown up in her youth ministry, in his youth ministry. Uh, he had a lot of history with her and, the, and this whole family coming to church. And I had only had about two months of friendship getting to know her. But I remember telling Pastor Joel uh, about this girl, and, he, and he, he asked who it was, and I said, "It's Angel Marie." You guys didn't think I was going to bring up anybody else, right? He said, "It's Angel Marie." <laughs> I was born at night, but not last night. Amen. All right. But I told him it's Angel, Angel Marie, and his eyes got super big. And he's like, don't you think she's too pretty for you? <laughs> he said, do you think she'll say yes? Man, I threw my shoulders back. I said, of course she'll say yes. Come on. Right? And I thank God for uh, self-confidence. It's good to have a little confidence in yourself at times, even if other people uh, like our pastors don't have confidence in us. Uh, but, but I remember uh, I took that on the chin. I, I like a healthy, uh, combative, you know, can you do this or not uh, comment in some of my close relationships. But I remember uh, about a week or two later, I ended up kind of mustering up the courage and I asked her out. Here we are 11 years later, married for 10 years uh, later this year. So I'm glad that I took a chance. Glad that I took a chance. You know, over the years, and I'm sure a lot of you in here can agree with this statement, but I've seen that my experience is not always the norm. And one time that when we had a friend that we were talking to in the last few years, and she was single, and she was dating, and uh, anyway, she was asking, she's like, you know what, what you guys have isn't normal. Like, it doesn't happen. And as much as that kind of pain me to hear, I still believe that we can have a high standard and that if we hold the standard up, that someone sometime will rise to that standard. About six, seven years ago, we were decorating the house before the last house, and Angel had a very particular set of designs that she wanted to do. And I remember she found these two lamps. And it was these two lamps that get, were going to complete uh, our bedroom, and she found it on Craigslist. I would never shop on Craigslist today, but seven, eight years ago, it was a much safer. It was a much safer place to shop. And I remember she sent me on her behalf. I am her Cabana boy, Aaron boy, DoorDash boy, you name it. And I remember I went to get the lamps, 
And I went and pulled up to this apartment lobby to meet this lady. We'll just call her Melissa for the sake of a story. They're giving me signals. There we go. Uh, for the sake of a story, we'll call her Melissa. And, and she started to tell me just all about her life. And she said the classic statement to me, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but, and I wanted to say, you don't even realize right now, but you're in a confessional booth with the, with the priest. That's why you're telling me right now. You don't even know. It's just for whatever reason, people want to say something, and, and they want to get off their chest. But she was saying, Brandon, like, I moved here from Atlanta. I've been in Dallas the last couple years, and I've just had the worst luck finding a guy. The guys here are horrible. I said, thank you. She said, they're horrible. And, and I heard her out, she, and she, it was so desperate for her that she said, I'm moving back to Atlanta. So I, I, my future isn't here. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, where have you been looking? And she started to name a handful of different clubs and bars in the downtown scene, which is a very frequent answer. And I remember just thinking to myself, you know, if you're going to find the right person, chances are you're going to find them in the right environment. You know, the right people put themselves in the right environment. It's not so much that they have greater discipline, that they have greater willpower, but they just put themselves in the right environment. What you're doing today, it's Sunday morning, it's time for God's house, it's time to get fed, it's time to get recharged. I'm going to put myself in the right environment because this helps me to be the right person. Your chances are better here. And of course, dating and finding a spouse isn't as cut and dry as we would like it to be. But as you know, the best things in life are fought for, not handed to you. So today I'm gonna to share a series of questions to ask as you date, look for the right person. If you're married in here, to hold this as a standard in your life, and I believe that you might as well aim high for the right person. I love what Norman Vincent Peale said. He said, shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. One of my favorite couples to hear about, to read about, is Bill, Billy and Ruth Graham. And a lot of you know Billy Graham was probably the top evangelist of the last hundred years or so, and, and he would, they had about four or five kids, I believe, and, and he would be gone for months at a time. And Ruth would stay home, tending after the kids, helping raise their kids and their growing family. And somebody one day went to Ruth, she said, Ruth, would, don't, does it bother you that Billy Graham's gone all the time? Like, what, what's that like? Doesn't it irritate you? And she, ever the pistol, shot back. She said, I'd rather be married for Billy six months of the year than any other man on earth for all 12 months. I'll take Billy. That's my standard. You know, as you evaluate this list of relationships, I want you to encourage you to pay attention to patterns, not potential. It's not about who they say they're going to be. Who are they right now? Who have they been the last six months, the last year, the last two years? What is their track record? In this list, I'll use he, but you can interchange it with she if you're a man hearing this. Number one, does he love Jesus more than me? Here are some questions that will help you to identify this. Will he lead me spiritually? Do his actions reflect what he is saying? Here's a good one. 
Do you follow Jesus better when you're around him? Because if the answer is yes, then the answer is yes to question number one. The Bible teaches that the male is intended to be the leader of the home. That doesn't make the male better or worse than the female, but there has to be someone who is designated the leader. You know, if you have two leaders, you have no leaders. There's got to be one person that just takes the lead in this way, and this is what God has designated. I told Angel from the get-go as we were dating in life, I said, you will never be closer to Jesus than I am. And I didn't mean it in an egotistical way. I meant it. I was like, you know what? If I'm not, then I'm leading you wrong. So I'm going to be close. And honestly, there's times she gives me a run for my money. (laughs) But it's good. It's good. It keeps the pressure on. Does he love Jesus more than me? For many families, this is flipped. And if we're being honest, women have been leading the households in their spiritual relationship with God instead of the men, but the husband and dad should be leading the family spiritually, serving the church and the local initiatives, personal growth, and so on. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, the New King James Version, it says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I like the message translation. It reads, don't become partners, that's the key word, with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? The answer to all of these questions is no. Unequally yoked is a biblical term that we equate to mean being with the wrong person because maybe they have money, because they have Uh, looks because we just get along regardless of what each other's standards are. But if you don't share your faith with them, you will be in misery down the line because you're going over here and they're going over there. And it's very difficult when the two become one and they're supposed to be sharing purpose, sharing vision, sharing faith, going one way, but you got two people who aren't on the same stratosphere and they're going different ways, unequally Yoked. Where did the Bible get this term? Unequally yoked was actually a picture for two ox and a wooden beam that would go around their neck. And you would never put a weak ox next to a strong ox. And not so the weak ox wouldn't be hurt. You wouldn't want to ruin your valuable ox. Because if your valuable ox was next to a weak ox, it would get strained, it would get injured, something bad could happen. It might never return to its former glory, and it was unequally yoked. You only put strong with strong, weak with weak, average with average. You paired them together, and that's where the term equally yoked was born. You know, Jesus loves all people, and I firmly believe that we should as well, but that does not mean that you should partner with everybody. You know, you can love all but be partner with a few in your business relationships in your life relationships, and your marriage relationship, if somebody doesn't love God as you, that's the biggest red flag that there is if you're gonna partner with them. So when you date, date with the intention to marry. I love the statement, if he's not mateable, he's not dateable. If he's not mateable, he's not dateable. And, and we're like, Brandon, how do I know if I don't date them? And I agree with that. Um, to some list, and as we go along this list, you'll see, and I was running through this list with a single protege of mine recently, 
And I was scrolling down the list, and I kind of pointed to about six or seven of these. You can find out just by being friends with them, just by observing them. And then even when you do date them, chances are they got the red carpet out, and you might not really know the true them until you get married, until you extend that trust and have that commitment. But does he love Jesus more than you? Number two, does he have a home church? This doesn't mean a church that he attends on Easter, that he attends on Christmas, that he watches online when he remembers to. It means a church that he is actively engaged in, a church that he is serving in, a church that he is giving in, a church where he has close friends in, a church where he can stretch as a person. I can't emphasize this point enough. Some of the best friends that I have made have been in the church. I was dedicated as a baby in church. I was baptized by people from the church. I met my mentors in church. I met my wife in church. I made, made some of the most life-defining decisions in church on a weekly basis. I sit right here and I get fed and recharged in church. And guess what? The truth is that one day Jesus died, rose again, and he's coming back for who? The church. He's coming back for the church. And the person that you date should be passionate about the church too. Not just you. Number three, who are his top five friends? Charlie Jones says it like this, you will be the same person in five years as you are today except for the people you meet and the books you read. Well, most people don't read, so that puts you at the five people that you hang out with, and that's what you're gonna be like in five years. The quality of your relationships is the quality of your life. Do you want a prophetic word about the relationship that you're in or thinking about being in? Look at his friends and you'll see what his future is going to be like. Look at his friends and you'll see what his future will be like. If you don't like his friends, chances are you won't like him in a few years. And instead of trying to change him or change his friends, save yourself the heartache and look somewhere else because it's just not worth it. Number four, you guys are going to love this one. What are his money habits? What are his money habits? When you get married, you share the same bank account. You share the same budget. Does this person tithe on the first 10% of his earnings to his local church? Does he have a short-term emergency fund? Does he invest monthly in a 401k? Does he use budgeting and track his spending? Does he have debt? Because guess what? When you get married, his debt is your debt. Their bad decisions are your bad decisions. Their good decisions are your good decisions because the two become one and line up together. Man, how much would it help if you knew this before you put a ring on it? How much would it help if you knew this before you even got that much involved in it, before your emotions took over, before your heartstrings took over, and you actually use your head to lead yourself and not just your heart? Early on in the first few years, and I'm a very, um, I, I can be very blunt, very black and white in the way that I see the world, the way that I see my life, um, but me and Angel, we, we fought the most the first few years of, of either dating or marriage, and it's gotten progressively better 
uh, every single year. Marriage has been much better than dating, and dating was great. But just like any marriage, uh, one of the things that we fought over was money. Because, man, people fight over the same stuff. You know, people fight over sex. They fight over money. They fight over selfishness and pride issues. We're all fighting about the same stuff when we leave church, right? And (laughs) we're really not all that different. But I remember it could be a contentious issue at times, but whenever we just started budgeting, whenever we just told our money where to go and we both got on track with it, everything got better. And we found common ground. Now, common ground is the key phrase here because you're not gonna fully come to their side and they're not gonna come fully to your side. If one of you is a saver and one of you is a spender, Get used to liking a little bit of whatever that other one is that you don't like. Find common ground and move on together. One of the things that we do in our budget is we have equal amount of shopping money. And if one of us wants to shop extra that month, they can't do it unless the other person gets the same amount of money. Keeps everything on track. Man, that's a good idea for some of y'all that haven't been doing that yet. Find some ways that you can both spend and save on what you're making and enjoy your life now, but also save for the life you will have in the future. Number five, does he love people? We know that loving people is crucial in life, but it's also especially important in a romantic relationship. Here's some follow-up questions to that. Is he respectful and mannerly? How does he treat people who can do nothing for him? Here's a great one you can test out at lunch. How does he treat the waitstaff? Is he saying my favorite words, please and thank you? Man, I love those words. Please and thank you, and I will automatically notice if somebody doesn't use it. Man, gone are the days sometimes of yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Man, I love that. I will tell a 16-year-old, yes, sir. That's exactly, that's my order at Chick-fil-A. I got this salad, she got this wrap, right? Like that, that's our order. Yes, sir. No matter what your age is, it's just ingrained in me. It's that Southern hospitality. How does he treat people? Richard Branson, the fascinating founder of the Virgin Group, a number of years ago, he masqueraded as a limo driver on the TV show The Apprentice. And the whole goal of being a limo driver is he wanted to see how these potential and prospective entrepreneurs treated him when they didn't know who he was. And the people that treated him well, that treated him respectfully, were kept on. But the people that didn't treat him well, the people that didn't have manners, that, didn't, uh, that weren't nice to him, they got to hear the infamous words, you're fired, <laughs> you're fired. And they just lost their chance to work there because of their manners. And while there's many things that we could discuss here, loving people just comes down to honoring people. You know, we're not just supposed to honor those in authority and those above us. But Paul says to honor everybody. If they have a pulse, you honor. If they treat you disrespectfully, you honor. If they say something negative about you and you're not there, what do you do? You honor. We don't honor others because they're honorable. We honor people because we are honorable. How I treat people has nothing to do with them. It has to do with the deposit that God has made in me, the goodness he's had to me. And because he's been good to me, 
I'm going to be good to other people, and I'm going to treat them with honor. Because how you treat and love people is an extension of how you love God. And if you feel like you're not loving people that well, then look up, because maybe your relationship with God wasn't, isn't what it used to be. Because how we treat his creation has a whole lot to do with how we view the creator. Number six, is he honest? Are there gray areas with him? Do you ever have to lie or cover up the truth to or about him? And if you have to lie about it, not the right thing. I know this is common knowledge, but how often do we lie about something just to cover it up? Or maybe you're telling a fib or a lie, and you don't even know why you're doing it. But you're just covering up a gray area. The principle is easy to know and sometimes difficult to do. I love what Warren Buffett said. He said, honesty is an expensive gift. Don't expect it from cheap people. It's expensive. Not everybody's going to be like this. But if you want to be with a valuable person, ask this question, is he honest? Because if he's lying now, he's going to lie later. He's going to lie later and throw lie for you. I hate to tell you this, but they will lie to you. If they'll lie for you, they'll lie to you. And honesty is a key ingredient for any relationship. When Abraham Lincoln was a young man, he was uh, working as a clerk in a general store. He was essentially a cashier at a grocery store. And he had a customer one day, kind of back to back, and, and this guy bought his thing, walked away. And a few minutes later, Abraham Lincoln realized that this man had overpaid by only a few pennies. But Abe Lincoln left the store, told his manager, traveled two to three miles just to track this guy down, gave him his three pennies back. Word about the story made the tracks, went around, and he got the nickname, Honest Abe. Is he honest? Are you honest? How important is honesty to you and your potential partner? Honesty is the foundation of trust. And if you ignore it now, you just might pay for it later. Number seven, and this is super practical, but very important to me. What is his living environment like? Is it clean? Is it a mess? Where are his clothes? Are they in a closet somewhere? Are they in the living room, the bedroom, on the floor? Where, where are the clothes? Whatever the living environment is like, don't expect it to change later. It is what it is. Now, I could be a tad particular just a tad, probably a lot, not just a tad. I can be very particular. I'm the person, uh, everything has a place, and it has a place right now, not in three hours from now, right? I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to ease down. Uh, I can tell you that I'm, we are getting better generation by generation. Uh, but you know there are the people that have everything has a place, and then there's, eh, nothing really has a place. And those two sides can drive each other crazy, and I remember one of the first questions that I asked when me and Angel moved into the apartment was uh, 10 years ago, is I was, I had just forgotten to ask. I was like, do you like the blinds open? Do you like the light? Like, I have to have the light. Love big windows. And thankfully, she doesn't like it dim at all either. She liked the light. What is their living environment like? Every married person knows it's often the little things that provoke a needless argument. Number eight, there's 11 of them. How is he on social media? 
Would you be proud to pull out your phone, get on Instagram or Facebook, and say this is what they're posting, and show the people that you look up to, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a parent, and how are you on social media? Post with your future self in mind. Number nine, how is he with your family? How is he with your close friends? Because in many ways, and man, all the married people know this, when you get married, you don't just marry them. You marry the family. So you know how much I love Mexican food now? Mm, I love Mexican food. Now I'm the one craving Mexican food. But no telenovelas for me. I don't need any of that uh, in my life. I don't, I don't need the Spanish uh, soap opera. But when you marry the person, just know, even if they have healthy boundaries, even if you have healthy boundaries, and you separate those, and you keep everything in line, the reality is you're going to spend a lot of birthdays together, you're going to spend a lot of holidays together, you're going to spend a whole lot of life events together, but at the same time, I just want you to know, nobody's normal. The only thing that's normal is that none of us are normal, right? Everybody has dysfunction. The healthiest people you know have dysfunction in their life. I have dysfunction in my life. The people that you honor and respect that might be 20 years older than you, you, you honor them, man, they, they got some dysfunction. That's why we all need Jesus. <laughs> we all need Jesus. You need Jesus, but I need Jesus too. Number 10, is he your best friend? At the end of the day, who you marry is who you're hanging out with. It's who you're doing life with. It's who you're sharing a bank account with, sharing dreams and visions with, sharing uh, Netflix and Hulu with. Like, who, who is your best friend? It's more about who you can't live without than who you can live with. Some of you that were here the last time I spoke on a Sunday a few weeks ago, about six months into our relationship, me and Angel were talking, and the subject of marriage came up. And she said, Brandon, I want to marry my best friend. And I started smiling, pointed at me. I said, well, I'm your best friend. She looked at me. She smiled. She said, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. <laughs> Man, I took that on the chin. I made that the rest of my New Year resolution. I said, I will be your best friend by the end of this year. And a year later, that happened. Number 11, last one. Is he consistently growing as a person? Now, I purposely say this one for last. Is the person that you're interested in or in love with passionate about self-improvement? Are they passionate about being better this year than the year before? Is it important to them that today is better than yesterday? Does he read books? Does he listen to podcasts? Is he trying to apply what he learns? Because the truth is, if he isn't growing now, he won't grow later. He won't grow later, right? It's been said that men marry, men marry the women hoping she'll never change, and women marry the man knowing, man, one day you're gonna change if you're gonna live with me, right? Raising the standard, but you gotta know. If they're not growing right now, then chances are they won't in the future. Patterns, not potential. Pay attention to patterns, not potential. Now, you may or may not do everything on this list, 
I know we've been very practical today, but that shouldn't stop you from growing into it or expecting that in a partner. And if you've listened to this list and you've seen areas that you feel like you could grow in, then man, start to focus on that. Because we shouldn't just look for our partner or potential partner to be the right person. No, we should focus on becoming to be the right person. Culture says look for the right person. Jesus says become the right person. It's not about them, it's about you. Are you becoming better? And if you're dating and you feel like you're not there yet, then maybe put a pause and grow just a little bit more because you're gonna attract the type of person you are. So be careful with that. Because just like you have a hope and an expectation, that other person coming along has a hope and an expectation as well. And a waiting season is not a wasted season. Not a wasted season. Become the right person. A few weeks before Angel and I got married, I think it was early November 2012, and we were both kind of packing our things, getting ready to move into the new apartment that was kind of halfway in between. We both lived at the time. And we were both packing, and she'd been packing and storing stuff away. And, and she found, she gave me a call because she found this journal that she'd forgotten about, got she even had. She just started kind of flipping through it, seeing what she wrote, what she prayed about. But she found this one entry on November 7th 2009, where she listed the 20 qualities that she wanted in a husband. And she called me excited. She said, Brandon, she told me what she found. She said, Brandon, this is what I found November 7, 2009. She said, I had these 20 qualities listed out. She said, Brandon, you're all 20. I said, I know. No, I'm kidding. I said, you're all 20. Man, what you don't have in looks, you got to make up for in other areas, man. You got to be the whole package, not just one part of the package. But now, secondly, she said, Brandon, that's not it. She said, it's November 7, 2009. One year to the day later, November 7, 2010, we were sitting in Amagiano's in West Plano about to have dinner, and I put my fork down. I looked in the eye. I said, Angel, I love you. She says, she said, I love you too. I've just been waiting for you to say that. And I already knew you were going to say that tonight. You know how women are. Um, I already knew. No, you didn't know or else you would have said it. <laughs> November 7, 2009. One year to the day later. Even when she didn't know what was working, God knew what was working. See, life doesn't always go the way that we plan it. But man, it has an uncanny way of meeting you at your standards. And if you raise the bar high, if you don't settle, then someone will rise to the occasion in life. So live hopefully and keep running your race. And as you run your race, look side to side, see who is following alongside of you, and that just might be the person that you can run with. And if you do what you can do, then God can do what only he can do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. 
God, we just thank you that your hand is upon us, that your hand is on us individually, on our relationships. God, for all the married people here, I just stretch out my hand and I just give them your blessing, your blessing that's on their life, Lord. I thank you for your favor, for your wisdom and your anointing for each and every relationship. God, we thank you that you are preparing the way for each and every one of us. And every part of our life, and before we ever get somewhere, before we ever make a decision that you've already been there, that you've prepared the way as we follow you and expand your kingdom. Help us as we follow you. Help us in our marriages. Help us if we're single and looking. We just pray that you bring the right people along. God, help us not to settle. Help us to have a high standard. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to take a moment. And if you're in here, you know, I talked about how important marriage is, how important the spouse is. And as important as that relationship is, and it's the most important physical relationship you have in life, but it's not the most important relationship. The most important relationship you have is the one that you have with your creator, the decision that you make to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you say, Brandon, I haven't been following Jesus. Maybe I want to rededicate my life today, and I just feel that kind of heart tug. And I know today's my day. If you'll just pray with me, everybody in the house will say it together. Say, Father, I receive your love. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you lived a perfect life, that you died, that you rose again. I am saved. Holy Spirit, fill me, guide me, teach me. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Not perfectly, but faithfully. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, if you made that decision today, A miracle happened. You might look the same on the outside, but Jesus says that you are new on the inside. He calls you a new creation. And if you made that decision today for the first time, or maybe you rededicated your life to God, will you just be so bold to raise your hand so we can celebrate with you? Jesus said, if you acknowledge me on earth, I'll acknowledge you in heaven. If you don't acknowledge me on earth, I can't acknowledge you in heaven. For the boldest people in the room, one, two, three. Anybody in the room, make that decision One hand. Anybody else? That's awesome. Two hands. Praise God for you. That's awesome. Well, if you made that decision online and you're watching on our website, you can click on that salvation button. You can let us know. Uh, We'd be happy to connect with you if you're in the room and you made that decision. We have a connect desk right outside these doors. We have a Bible for you, a new book for you. In any way you'd like to connect or be discipled, we would love to help you. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.